0: call upon Doris for our scripture reading this morning. Today's Bible uh, scriptures reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 23, verse 12 to 35. This is the word of the Lord. When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath, neither to eat or drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now therefore you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you, as though you were going to determine his case more exactly. And we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Now the son of Paul's sisters heard of their ambush, so he went and entered the barrack and told Paul, Paul called one of his centurions and said, take this young man to the tribune for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me and asked me to bring this young man to you as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and going aside, asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow, as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them, for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him, who have bound themselves by oath neither to eat or drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man charging him, Tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready 200 soldiers and 70 horses and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lycia, to his excellency the governor, Felix, Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen. And desiring to know the charge of which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accuser also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldier, according to their instructions, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. And on the next day, they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. When they had come to Sicily and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul before, also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And, he was, and when he learned that he was from Sicilia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's Praetorium. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, once again, thank you for this uh, opportunity to share the Word of God with you. Today, we will continue uh, with a sermon series uh, based on the book of Acts. Doris has uh, read part of the, today's uh, passage. Uh, I will continue to read the rena- remaining part of uh, chapter 24. I think it's good that we spend uh, some time to uh, read the Word of God and uh, to, to benefit from it. I'll read from the ESV version, chapter 24. And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tullus began to accuse him, saying, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, Reforms are being made for this nation. In every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world, and is a ringleader of the sect of Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seize him. By, not ex- by examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews were also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogue or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they are now bringing up against me. For this I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Now, after several days, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me, Purify in the temple without any crowd or tumor. Some, but some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make the accusation. Should have should they have anything against me, or else let this man themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them. It is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you this day. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody but have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned throughout about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul, so he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years has elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Pontius Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. That is the word of God. Let us pray, Father. We want to thank you for your word and help us a lot uh, during this. Sermon that uh, we be able to hear from you and to uh, practice uh, what we have learned. Uh, help me a lot. Uh, fill me with your spirit that I can uh, uh, share your word uh, accurately. Help me in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. How are you feeling, my brothers and sisters? In fact, this is exactly the question I had in mind for when I'm preparing for this uh, sermon. And coincidentally, Sister Pearlie asked the question. I think this is what we have been uh, thinking about. A lot of feelings we feel during this uh, pandemic. So do you miss uh, dining in the restaurant with your family and friends? Do you miss traveling uh, for holiday with your family? I miss them very much. Even though it is partially open now, I think many of us do not feel safe to do that. We are not able to do it with peace. So we have been going through a difficult time uh, through since 2020. For those of us uh, who are old enough, year 2020 is supposed to the year we achieve our vision 2020. That was uh, our Prime Minister Mahathir vision since uh, 1990, uh, 1991 or so. So look what we have uh, arrived today. So things did not seem to turn up as planned by us. I still remember I was so happy elated uh, when the government had changed in 2018 in May, where Harapan, gov- uh, Harapan government was formed and the BN government was uh, ousted. was full of hope during that time, you know, uh, the various reform they promised, you know, uh, the economy uh, uh, will will rise again, and uh, the eradication of corruption that I was so, you know, hopeful that the new government uh, would do all just that. But lo and behold, as we know, the Sheraton move have made it impossible. It was removed. And another government last year, the PN government took over without the mandate from the, the electorate. So things don't seem to turn up as we planned. Even we voted for it, but it turned out to be a different uh, government that we received. And if you remember, even during that time, there was an outbreak in a Sri Pataling, the mosque. That's where our COVID cases started to spread, you know, started to rise. And in- initially, we were doing quite good. In fact, our DG was praised for his great job. And in uh, 2020 July, actually, we had single-digit record of uh, COVID, if you remember. That was uh, about a year ago. But look what Happened today, we have 20,000 cases daily. So, with all those disappointments, can we still have hope? Do you ask this question? What is God doing uh, during this health and economy and political crisis? How do we survive? How do we navigate through this? uncertain times. I hope to look at uh, what Paul has gone through today in today's passage uh, to learn uh, from what uh, God uh, wants to tell us. If you remember what uh, Dr. Leong preached on the will of God in chapter 21, in fact, Paul's problem started after he defiled the advice. He went against advice not to go to Jerusalem. And you remember the prophet Agabus prophesies that the Jews in Jerusalem will bind him and deliver him to the Gentiles. Despite this clear warning, Paul insisted on going to Jerusalem. And true enough, he was beaten up, he was arrested, and was brought before the Sanhedrin. Uh, Paul cleverly brought up, if you remember, the issue of resurrection, Nowhere the Sadducees and the Pharisees disagree, and he created a havoc that he was brought uh, into the barracks. And the following day, following night, Jesus actually appeared to him in verse twenty three eleven. If you notice that, in fact, Jesus appeared for the second time to Paul, and he said to Paul, "Say, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem." so you must testify also in Rome. And that was where we stopped last week. And you can see from the the prequel to today's story, Paul knew the danger of going to Jerusalem, but yet he went ahead. What happened was, after he was beaten up and arrested, the Jews actually conspired to kill him. The Jews, the very people Paul wanted to reach out to with the gospel, were the ones who were trying to kill him. So much so that he even took oath not to drink and not to eat until they killed Paul. It was not only two, one or two of them, but 40 of them were very determined to kill Paul for believing and proclaiming Jesus. In fact, we still see this kind of thing today. Uh, Christians are still persecuted and killed for their faith. And uh, in fact, I believe this is currently happening in Afghanistan where the Taliban took over. And as you remember, this actually happened in our own country. Uh, Pastor Raymond, he was abducted for his faith and for his ministry. And we do not know what happened to him, sometimes we give thanks to God for our safety. You know, we are spared from this kind of threat and danger. Yes, of course, we, we should always give thanks for all the good things that God has given us, including safety. But have we ever wondered why we, as Christians, as followers of Christ, can feel so safe when others are? persecuted have you ever thought of this question? maybe we miss something maybe we should ask ourselves do we miss something? Probably staying safe for us a Malaysian Christian huh? is our top priority. Probably we feel safe because we have not done things that we are supposed to do as a Christian because if we don't do it we don't we won't feel rejections from our friends or family I can we can save ourselves from awkward situation uh, uh, from take, talking about uh, Jesus or salvation or maybe we are afraid of making mistake because we would not make any mistake if you do nothing or could it be because we don't really care about our friends and relatives? This is a question, even for me, I have to ponder about it. Of course, I'm not accusing uh, you or any one of you that you've been neglecting uh, the gospel. But I think this is a question that we Christians must constantly remind ourselves. One thing is clear about Paul is that he really cared about his kinsmen. The Jews, as well as the Gentiles. He cares about their salvation. He cared about what Jesus has told him to do. Persecution and imprisonment, they do not mean closed door for Paul. You know, Paul was sure of his calling. In chapter 20, 22, before Paul went to Jerusalem, he even told the Ephesian elders that he was compelled by the spirits to go not knowing what will happen to him there, except that the Holy Spirit testified to him in every city that imprisonment and afflictions awaits him. Sometimes we Christians, we wrongly equip obstacles or challenges or suffering as an indication from God that we should not proceed. We should not do what we are supposed to do or we plan to do. We view them as a closed door. But from Paul, we know that it is not necessarily true. The door is wide open to trial and afflictions, and yet it is within the will of God. So when we face with difficulty or uh, very tough situations, uh, let us not jump into conclusion that it is an obstacle set up by God to tell you not to go ahead. We need to be sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And we need, need to seek counsel from our friends, from our fellow Christian, the counsel of the wise, uh, the mature Christians, and exercise the freedom that God has given to us and not just jump to the conclusion according to what we would like to do. I believe I've told this uh, testimony before, but briefly, this is what happened to me in 19... Uh, 19- uh, 2013, some of you may know that I was under a lot of stress by what was happening in my work to the extent that sometimes I couldn't think straight. I was suspecting that I was uh, in a mild depression during that time. And at the same time, there was a the time I was supposed to uh, go with uh, a group of us here uh, to, to US. We went with uh, Pastor Wong, uh, Stephen uh, Tan, David Chong. If you remember, and Sandy, you know, during the time there was a t- first uh, trip to US to visit uh, Uptown and to learn from uh, the, our partner church. But that was was difficult decision for me as well. I felt that uh, I mean, I, I I couldn't even you know handle my my uh, work during that time so how how am i supposed to go there's no way i'm going to leave uh, the firm for for two weeks it seems impossible it seems that uh, it is uh, a no-go <laughs> but then somehow deep down inside me what i was planning to do at that time to go to us i, I somehow I, I know that it was really good it would be good for me spiritually and uh, i went ahead i made arrangement of course with the help of Doris and uh, another friend of mine. So I managed to go and I shared this with a partner, the, the, my host, where I'm staying with, and was well, I felt during the period that was wonderful period of refreshing period for me, that I was like, you know can just let go of all my worries and spend time together with all these uh, godly people talking about God's uh, word, discussing, learning. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, 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 so 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 to speak, a uh, healing time for me as well. So it turned out to be one of the best decisions that I've made uh, Due, uh, in fact, in my life. When I came back after the trip, I started to learn how to preach and I was, you know, took the courage to preach. That was my... I have never preached before and today I'm I'm here to share the word of God with you thanks to that trip, the decision that I've made and I took the courage uh, to even take up leadership responsibility. Albeit uh, I'm flawed but yet I'm prepared uh, to go through and to answer God's call for us uh, to live a a Christian living which is pleasing to him. But sometimes, like uh, it happens to us most of the time, a lot of time we refuse to do certain things even though it is right to do so. I believe it's because it will cost us something, something that We are not able to give up. So back to Paul. Back to the plot uh, to to kill Paul. If you listen to the scripture reading, you know that the, the plot to kill Paul was foiled by a young informant. And it turned out that that young informant was Paul's nephew. If you notice that we have not been told in the New Testament much about Paul's family, and this is the interesting time where suddenly uh, Paul's nephew came out out of a blue, and be the rescuer became the rescuer to rescue Uncle Paul, and he informed uh, Paul about this plot, and in fact Paul in a way was saved uh, by this uh, uh, message. And I knew that uh, I believe that Paul knew about uh, that nothing can stop him uh, from uh, going preaching Christ and also proceeding to Rome as Jesus had told him. And true enough, he was spared, he was protected, and he was not killed, obviously. But sometimes we wonder what happened to the oath, those 40. Jews have taken not to eat and not to drink until they kill Paul. We wonder whether they died of starvation or died of thirst. We do not know. Probably not. So, like Paul, we as a follower of Jesus, our spiritual journey will not be smooth sailing. Uh, At times, we face difficulties. We face obstacles in our lives. When we walk, in according to God's will. When we refuse to pay bright, as you know, we may have to pay the full fine. Or we may even lose a business contract. And that's the price uh, we have to pay. Uh, if we refuse to join our friends for those unhealthy activities, we may even lose our friends. And that's the price that you must prepare to pay. And when we speak of Jesus with our friends and uh, relatives, we may even be rejected or even be avoided by them. But always remember this. As from, from Paul's story, God is always in the picture. In fact, he's working alongside with us when we do his will. And God's providence is always there to help us He's working behind the scenes, which may not be seen, which may not be obvious, but we can rest assured that he's always in control of the situation. Like you see, he can even send someone to rescue us from a predicament or in a difficult situation. In fact, I experienced those kind of uh, rescues, so to speak. You know, remember in, in 2013, the, the I haven't told you the, the ending of the story. It ended up well. In fact a, f- a friend, a Christian friend of mine, of course Doris is uh, play a very part, a big part in uh, getting me out of that uh, situation. But there's another lawyer, a, a Christian lawyer brother, who was so willing to help me to resolve slowly one by one all the the problems uh, in my work. So, I uh, regard that as a rescue sent by God. And in fact, there's not only a rescue, I've been blessed by this uh, person as well, this brothers God has sent. In fact, we've been working closely together with, with, with cases until today. So, we have a wonderful working relationship. You know, these are the things that we need to be sensitive to how God is working out uh, in our life, uh, in our difficult situation. We just need to pay some attention to it. So, from today's passage, it is not only, not only was Paul re- rescued by his nephew, he was protected by 200 soldiers to ensure his safe arrival at Caesarea to be tried before uh, the governor, Felix. And we know that uh, it is providential protection by God to ensure God's purpose in uh, Paul is accomplished. Then what follows is that the Claudius uh, Lysias, the Roman tribune, wrote a letter to Felix to explain why Paul was brought to him. He told Felix that he rescued Paul when he learned about his Roman citizenship. So if you follow the story closely, you should, you should go and check back in chapter 22. You would know that uh, the tribune was about to, to flock Paul, you know, even before uh, Paul uh, uh, revealed his identity and citizenship. He was about to, to flock him. But then what, what he say here? He discovered his citizenship. then you know he was taking good care of him, so to speak. And uh, you remember the tribute actually asked Paul about you know, how he got this citizenship because he paid a, 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 a fortune for it. So obviously, this Claudia, Claudius Lysias uh, was lying uh, in the letter. He's telling half-half truth. And we very familiar. I think we all of us are family with half-truths. We hear it every day from, from many politicians. Uh, perhaps some of us uh, have been guilty of it as well. We only show our good, the good part of ourselves. We always hide the ugly side you know, from people. We always give impression that we are doing great. But deep down in our hearts, we know that things are not doing well. And sometimes out of good intentions, When we share the gospel, too, we just highlight the love of God. But hiding (laughs) the sin that we have committed against people and against uh, God Almighty. So, we may even dilute the gospel so as not to offend people. Or preach prosperity gospel as well. Because it's very attractive. It's very, you know. I'm sure your friends and relatives will be interested in hearing all those teachings. But then, beware, that is not the whole truth. So, from here, we, we have to remind ourselves that half-true you know, can even be in our gospel, the way we share with our friends. So, at the trial, before Felix, the high priest was there. It shows that this trial is very important uh, for the Jews and they appointed Tertullus a silver tongue lawyer to represent them to be their mouthpiece to bring charges against Paul. You know from, from this bible you, you know that this Tertullus uh, he was a typical unscrupulous lawyer who would go do anything you know, to win his case in fact, uh, this is typical of, of those uh, lawyers where he began by buttering up Felix, you know, in order to win him over. He said, since you, through you, we enjoy much peace. And since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation. In every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. So if you check the history, the Roman history, you, you find out that the Felix, actually, he was a corrupt and incompetent governor. And peace was the last thing in Judea during his tenure. You know, the insurrectionists constantly wreak havoc in Judea. And Tertullus had no problem of saying otherwise. I remember one of my lecturers was telling telling uh, us during the uh, law school time, he talked about this lawyer who said, I may be wrong, but I'm never in doubt. So when they are telling the lies, they can tell it without a doubt. That's how confident a person can be in telling lies. And this is a uh, This is an example. But of course, we are not asked to, to imitate Tertullus, which is clearly wrong. And uh, if you uh, follow the the story, uh, Tertullus have no problem in bringing these three false charges, even though he knew that uh, he has no basis uh, to to charge Paul for what they have claimed. The first charge is that Paul is a plague who stir up riots among all the Jews. You see the the word he used? There's some lawyers who do this, uh, They become, you know, to to pick the word, Plague, you know, you know the plague. In fact, now we are facing now. It's like saying that Paul is the coronavirus, COVID nineteen, which caused death and uh, economic poverty to our country. This is the first charge. But if you look at what actually happened uh, earlier. If you read the, the story, the record of Luke carefully, it was actually the Jews who created the riots, not Paul. And the second charge against Paul is that he's a ring leader of the sect of uh, Nazarene. Again, he used the word sect. All this negative connotation of uh, heresy to claim that uh, he's a leader of this heretic just because he preached the resurrected Christ. And the third charge is that Paul has attempted to profane the temple. These are the three charges. And if you look at Paul's defense, a Paul's defense is quite simple and effective. Unlike Tertullus, Paul went straight to the defense. You know, after acknowledging Felix as a judge, there's no, you know, flattery, not, nothing of that sort. His defense uh, is quite simple in that uh, he just say that. The time I spent till now is only 12 days. How could I be a, a plague within this short period of time? If you remember, Paul just came back from the missionary trip. He was uh, away for, for some time for his missionary trip and he was just came back for, you know, if you include the, the traveling time of that, probably a few days uh, in Jerusalem. How could he be able to cause such a uh, a big havoc as claimed by the Jews. And he also put the burden of proof, if you, if you look at uh, what he has said. He put the burden of proof. So you have to prove it. Not, I, not Paul himself proved that he has not caused, uh, caused the havoc. And actually, this is a principle of law, which is uh, across the, uh, the country. Those who make a claim, who make assertion or a charge, have the burden, they have have to bring evidence to prove what they have said and not the other way around. As you always hear that a person is always presumed to be innocent until proven otherwise. And the burden of proof is on the accuser. And thirdly, Paul has no problem, if you look at the defense, he has no problem of acknowledging Christ, confirming that he's a follower of Christ. He's not hiding uh, the fact from anyone. And, but he, he went further to say that uh, his belief in Jesus is based on the scripture, based on the Old Testament. And then he cleverly raised that, that divisive issue once again between the Pharisees and the Sadducees you know, about uh, the resurrection because the Sadducees like uh, the high priest, the Sadducees, they don't believe in the resurrection after death, but the Pharisees did believe that. So, he again, frame the, the issue of trial. It is the real charge uh, uh, before, before Felix uh, in a different way. He also raised the procedural issues that the accuser were not present because uh, in every court cases, you, you have to be a plaintiff, a claimant, a complainant, you know, a respondent, you know. Kind of thing, so if you accuse someone or something, you have to be there, you cannot be uh, uh, another party come and you know make the complaint. You have no, we call it locus standi, you have no this legal standing to to bring this case if you are not not, not bringing the case yourself. So, the it has to be a proper uh, plaintiff to be uh, putting this charge and not anybody else. So, he's using this procedural justice to point out that even that is not properly done. And he framed the real issue as the issue is not whether he is great, hero. there is, is, is lying. Uh, the issue is not whether he profane this or profane that, but the issue on trial is that whether Christ has been resurrected. The issue is whether Christ has been resurrected. And he has nothing to do with Rome, He has nothing to do with peace. And it is it has everything to do with those who believe in Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and those who object to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the real issue before Trump. So have you ever wondered why and where does the confidence and the courage of Paul comes from? When you face with all those uh, uh, high-profile lawyer, you know, uh, a politician, even you know the high priests, you know, if, if you feel that the government is against you, how can you be so confident to face these false charges? If you notice uh, Paul's life after his conversion, after the uh, Damascus uh, miracle. His life was full of uh, adversities and afflictions. He was beaten. He was stoned. You know? he, he, he told it uh, himself. He was shipwrecked. He was persecuted. He was thrown into jail. And how did he survive all these extreme uh, challenges and uh, afflictions in his life? And uh, I I'll, would I'll, I'll, I'll like to suggest uh, what I believe, uh, how he's able to do it. I believe that he he understands that even he even embraced suffering as part and parcel of a Christian life. He knows clearly that his calling as an apostle is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and to live a life in obedience to Christ. He's, He's very clear. He went to Jerusalem in spite of the persecution because God has called him to do so. And he obeyed. Jesus even appeared, if you remember, for the second time, to encourage him to take courage and to go to Rome for him. So he was very clear about his calling. I also believe that he understands that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And for those who are called according to his purpose. You know where I quote this from? Romans 8. 28 and we must understand that sometimes challenges and suffering we face seems like a tragedy but to God is able to work things out for good according to his purpose and remember what happened to Joseph he was sold by his evil brothers in Egypt And he turned out to be the Prime Minister of Egypt and saved his own people, including his family. He told his brothers this, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So we Christians, we we must have this uh, uh, category. When something evil happened, God actually meant it for good. Sometimes we cannot wrestle with this, this concept. But we need to have this understanding, this space for this uh, God to work uh, uh, through even bad things. So we must understand that God has a hand in every part of our lives and he's able to turn things around for good according to his purpose. And as we've seen, God will accomplish his purpose and his purpose cannot be thwarted. You've seen, for example, of Paul. Nobody can, not, not, not the plot to kill Paul, they will never succeed. And that's why, knowing the fact that God is behind the scene, God is, has a hand in every part of our lives, we can confidently and can safely uh, rest in our God. So in our current situation of pandemic, all things seems to be so gloomy and depressing. But remember that God is still in control. We have a living God. Jesus is risen. He is very much involved in every detail of our lives. He even sent uh, His own Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit to dwell in us, those who believe in Him. And always remember that God loves us. He loved us so much that he even gave his own son, Jesus, to rescue us from our sin. And we should ask this question, how will he not also give us all things that we need? And this is Romans 8.32, one of my favorite passages. Remember this, if God can send his own son to die for us, how will he not also give us all the things that we need? So I think this is comforting. We can rest in the loving hand of God. And all this disappointment and all this, you know, negative, uh, gloomy situation is nothing to God. He's able to turn all this thing into good to accomplish his own purpose. And we, as his followers, should be part of this plan to trust in him and to rely on him even during this uh, difficult period. So we ask the question, how do we navigate through this pandemic? My answer to some of you who have not known uh, Jesus or or for us who are Christians, we have to give our lives to God and to trust His, his unfailing love and to trust in his sovereignty. And we have to live our lives according to his calling for us. And remember this, God has given the call to every one of us. He has called us to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Even during this pandemic, there's no exception. It still applies to all of us. So back to the story. After hearing them, Felix decided not to deliver his decision right away. You know, he, he, he doesn't admit a lot of judges, sometimes difficult decision, they will just defer the decision, you know, uh, even in our, in, our, in our court, where there's a high profile, you know, a sensitive uh, uh, cases, especially religion, they will just defer and take time. Hopefully something will turn up you know there will be settlement. You know the government will, will amend the law. You know they will come to a, a compromise. I think I think this uh, Felix did the same thing. He doesn't want to offend anyone. He wants to be safe, so he postponed the decision, and he put Paul under uh, house arrest. Uh, it is interesting for, for for Luke to tell us that Felix actually had a good knowledge of Christianity. He actually. Know it, he said, accurate uh, knowledge of Christianity. In fact, this is not surprising if you remember in, uh, back in uh, chapter 10. Do eh? you remember the first Gentile convert? The centurion. Actually, I, I preached on that. Uh, my previous sermon was on that. The centurion uh, Cornelius was converted. They were filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. That was about 20 years ago, you know. Uh, apart, I believe the gospel had taken root uh, during that period of time. So Felix has a, a good knowledge of it. So what is more interesting is that both Felix and his wife, they were also interested in listening uh, to the gospel. Drusilla, some of you uh, know the, the history. In fact, I, I checked this out. Uh, Drusilla was uh, the daughter of King Herod Agrippa who killed James, the brother of John, in chapter 12. Jusula is the sister of King Agrippa II, who would appear in uh, in the next chapter, you see. And Jusula was Felix's uh, third wife and her own uh, second marriage. In fact, Jusula broke the Jewish law when he married Felix because Felix uh, was a Gentile. So he actually broke their law. Luke tells us that they sent for Paul to hear him speak about his faith in Jesus. They are interested, surprisingly, to to hear it. And in fact, Felix was struck with fear after hearing the the, the coming judgment. And Felix immediately fell down to his knees and he surrendered his life to Jesus. No, I'm checking whether you are. Still following? In fact, no. Sadly, that, that was not what happened. In fact, Felix missed the opportunity. He asked Paul to leave, and he would send for him at his convenient time. He did not bow down and surrender his life. He asked Paul to leave. What a pity! Although Felix felt the true horror of judgment, he nevertheless refused to change his way. He even hoped to receive bride from Paul. So old habits, hard to break. I believe many of us have heard stories like this. In fact, I myself have a close relative who has told me this. He told me that Christianity is good. And he said he probably will embrace Christianity. At his old age, or maybe later. You know why? Because he's not ready. If he were to be a Christian right now, as a businessman, it's very tough for him. You know, you you, you know what I mean? You, you cannot bend the law, you cannot do this, you can do that. There's so much inconvenient and it might cost you something. But wait, maybe after I've got I've retired, then I'll become a Christian. I believe you have heard many stories about this kind of uh, situation. Though we must give credit for, for those people you know, who, who, who say that Christians should not do this and do that, I think that they recognize what a Christian should be. That that should be the way. But sadly, they are not prepared to embrace uh, Jesus uh, right away because of the, they are not able to give up what they love, their business, and their money. But there's a warning here. I mean, for those who are in this situation, uh, this is a very sad and uh, dangerous situation, as we can see from Felix. Because I believe that those who uh, refuse to make the decision and, and, and postpone it because you want to continue to do you know, things that a Christian should not do. I'm afraid that their hearts will be hardened just like Felix and their hearts will become callous callous and you will not be able to respond uh, to the call of God. Probably it's too late. Probably you don't get a chance before you're able to do it. You might be struck with the illness. You might have contracted Coronavirus, so those things are not, doesn't work out as you plan, as as we we have seen. So my advice uh, to you, some of you who are in this category is to act fast, act quickly, and don't miss the boat. Don't procrastinate and decide right away, or you may be risk, being hardened by your refusal and to acknowledge our God, to acknowledge our own sins, and we end up rejecting God. So, brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to say is that the life is fragile, as we know, uh, during this current pandemic. We have heard of people we know died of COVID, friends,
0: you
1: know, uh, those uh, clients who actually died of COVID. I even heard rich people die because even they have the money, they are not able to get a bed in the private hospital. And we know that about 20,000, more than 20,000, has already died. And we're still counting. And many were brought in dead, not even having this opportunity to, to receive treatment. As some of you have known that uh, I've recently turned 50. I'm still processing it, to be frank with you. I still, cannot. Uh, I still have to learn how to accept it. In fact, sometimes this thought came to my mind. I have this kind of a eerie feeling of imminent death, probably because of COVID-19. And, and other times, I, I, I was counting the number of years that I have Uh, on this earth. But I'm not scaring those uh, who are older than me. I mean, I'm just sharing my feeling uh, at this stage of my life. So how should we live our life uh, in the midst of this pandemic and and uncertainties and the fragility of life? I think most important we must be ready to make our maker and to face judgment. We have learned that Paul had been preaching the resurrected Christ and the resurrection of the dead. I mean, one thing is certain, you and I will die one day, maybe even because of COVID. Whether you are Christian or not, all of us will face certainty of death and all of us will be resurrected, according to Paul, to give an account of what we have done during our time on Earth, and all of us will have to face the judgment of God. So the question now is that: Are we ready to face God? Are we ready to face the judgment of God? Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for your providential uh, love for us. For those who love you, uh, you turn things out uh, to be good, whatever the situation, according to your purpose. We are thankful that uh, nothing can thwart your good purpose uh, in our lives. Lord, help us to continue to walk closely with you, uh, to be courageous, uh, like Paul, and to have this heart of obedience like Paul uh, to get close to you, to grow uh, closer to you, uh, to walk uh, in your way. Lord, there are so many uncertainties and uh, disappointment, but our hope in you is sure we can put all our trust in you because you are steadfast God, you are loving And you have our interests in mind. You even send your son Jesus to die for our sins. What more would you not do for our good? Help us, O Lord, to walk alongside, closely with you. So that we can reach out to you whenever we are in need. Help us, O Lord. Equip us to be ready to do your will. Pray all this in Jesus' name.